ora koutou. I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to Insight. This week, teenagers, technology and temptation. When students in France start heading back to school this week, they'll not only be saying goodbye to the freedom of the long and rather hot northern summer, they'll also be saying au revoir to their mobile phones. The President, Emmanuel Macron, has followed through with his election promise of a nationwide ban on phones in schools, with his government pushing forward the idea that young people need the legal right to disconnect from the pressures of digital life during the school day. Such an authoritarian approach is unlikely to take root here, but some schools are banning the devices. Insight's senior specialist reporter, Teresa Cowie, has been visiting schools here to find out how they're managing mobile mayhem inside the school gate. You have three new messages. Message received. Good day. Message received. As most adults know, while phones can be distracting and addictive, they're also very useful tools. Teachers across the country are competing for their students' attention with messages from friends and family, online games and the constant buzz of social media notifications. Some schools encourage students to use their phones for learning in class. I use it more for kind of purposes of noting things down and making sure I'm all organised. We're able to use our phones to look up uh, mark schemes, question papers, that type of stuff. And because you're kind of forced to do those activities in class, you look at the question stuff and you just keep it on the question because you're going to start writing your essay or your answer or whatever. When teachers post on Google Classroom, we get notifications, whereas if you're on a laptop, it would be different. So that notification side isn't there for laptops. So there is a use for mobile phones. But when was the last time these students took a sneaky look at their social media or texts in class? Last period. <laughs> Study period. Last period. But yeah, yeah, I haven't had a chance today um, because we've had pretty like quiet conditions, so they're really on top of it, so not today, but yeah. <laughs> we'll see about this afternoon. <laughs> so can teachers make learning more enticing than these highly addictive little boxes of amusement? Or should they just ban them? I visited four schools to find out how students and teachers keep learning on track in the face of their digital friend constantly calling their name. Let's head first to Auckland Grammar, where its headmaster Tim O'Connor is more than happy to admit he doesn't like the distractions phones bring. Auckland Grammar School is a decile nine school of two and a half thousand students. Uh, we're a single sex state boys school. Our policy on uh, mobile phone or device use is that they're not permitted to be used on school grounds, on school campus during the school day. So once the students pass through the school's entrance, it's time to disconnect from their digital lives. No ifs, no buts, any flouting of the rules and it's no phone for a week. And your parents have to come and collect it from the school office. I went on patrol at the school gate to see if the policy's working. It's 25 past eight on a school morning. I'm outside, just standing outside that stone archway at the main entrance. And about half of the pupils who I've seen entering the school this morning have had either a mobile phone in their hand 
um, or are listening to something through their headphones. But I do notice that as soon as they approach that stone archway, out pop their headphones, one, two from each ear, and they wrap that cord around the screen into their pockets or pulling their bags off their back and zipping it inside. I asked its headmaster, Tim O'Connor, why the school's gone for a total ban. Look, I think everyone knows that devices of this nature are quite seductive and they've become quite time-consuming and addictive for a variety of reasons. I think as adults, anyone listening to this programme would, I bet, have a mobile device and um, probably have a mild addiction to it. In fact, parents are actually part of the problem now, aren't they, in terms of the use of their own mobile devices and their own time and the connectivity between them and their own children. It's exactly the same thing during the school hours. We're trying to educate young men. We're trying to instil in them new knowledge, uh, things that they don't know, things that they haven't learned before, things that they can't come across by accident. They're not going to focus on those aspects if there are distractions around them. So why would we dump a device in front of them or allow them to access uh, their mobile device or have it on their desk where the thing just glows every five seconds with the next Snapchat or WeChat or whatever it is that is coming through them, because it will. That's in a classroom environment. Outside of a classroom environment, then again, if we allowed boys to have their device out of their pocket and in their hand, then that's what they'll be on at interval and at lunchtime. They'll be checking Facebook pages, they'll be communicating with other people, probably some within the same grounds or sitting across the table from them via some form of social media. Uh, We want them interacting. We actually want them talking to each other. We want them kicking a rugby ball in the grounds or playing um, you know, their own form of backyard cricket out on the field or basketball. And the school's strict rules are also extended to school trips. Any camp that's going away, the boys actually hand in their phone uh, on the bus and then they get it on the bus about an hour out from Auckland so that they can communicate with their parents to make sure pick-up etc is all organised and there's some relief and sweating for a short period of time as they receive their devices back. Research from the London School of Economics supports the idea that educational achievement takes a hit when students are constantly preoccupied by the goings-on in their digital lives. Its recent study, Ill Communication, Technology, Distraction and Student Performance, found achievement rose more than 6% in schools that had introduced a mobile phone ban. Phone bans also improved outcomes for the low-achieving students by more than 14%, but interestingly made no difference to those at the top of the class. Its results suggest that low-achieving students are more likely to be distracted, while high achievers can focus in the classroom regardless. While student achievement is hugely important to the school, Tim O'Connor says the phone ban isn't just about that. It's also about well-being. The school wants its students to experience life, rather than turning it into something they do to produce content for their social media. After morning assembly, I grabbed seventh formers Raymond Zhao and Felix Marcon Swedell and fourth former Jack Sandlin to find out what they think of the ban and whether they always stick to the rules. So, who's got a mobile phone in their pocket? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> and how often does your mobile phone come out of your pocket when you're at school? 
uh, officially never, um, unofficially every now and then. <laughs> and for what sort of reasons might you run that risk? Uh, personally, as head prefect, there's you know uh, it's often to do with wrangling a prefect or two, um, but occasionally you know it does come out for a personal reason. Tough being in these leadership roles, huh? Oh yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself? Does it always, Raymond? Does your phone always stay in your pocket when you're inside the school gate? Um, I have taken it out every now and then for multiple reasons. Give me an idea of some of them. Um, responding to Felix's haggling, um, personal use occasionally, and sometimes mostly just to check the time. And what about yourself, Jack? Uh, sometimes just to like to maybe see if like my mum can pick me up or something, um, but not very much because I don't want my phone taken off me for a week. The boys say if left to their own devices, excuse the pun, they'd struggle to stay on task. I'd like to say I would, you know, be extremely disciplined, but in reality that's probably not what would happen. At least some of the time I would end up using my phone for personal use. You know, you, you get those time-tracking apps on your phone, and I'm always a little bit shocked when I check it about how much time I've spent with the screen on. So I, I do appreciate at grammar sort of having the forced time away from that. I definitely struggle with the temptation to text and to check Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram, that type of stuff, but um, I'm currently out of data, so I have no choice but to just ignore it for the day. And it's, it's been a struggle, but it's, <laughs> it's a good learning experience. Okay. And Jack, if your school did allow you to sort of manage yourself and your phone, how do you reckon you'd do with that? I think I w- wouldn't be too bad, but I think occasionally I'd probably slip into, you know, using it for personal use and that kind of thing. And I think as a whole, a lot of people will probably be the same. Yeah, I think it would be a bit of a struggle. But across town at Pakuranga College, that struggle to stay on task is something the school believes students need to learn to manage for themselves. We're a, a large urban secondary school, uh, 2,200 students, uh, very multicultural students from over 40 different nationalities, average in terms of socioeconomic status. And as a school, our priorities is about a a strong learning focus um, and about being innovative and using technology to drive learning. Phones are allowed at lunchtime, interval and in the classroom here and it's the students who are taking the lead on how they should be used to enhance their learning and limit distraction. Its principal, Mike Williams, doesn't think banning is the way to go. And the reason for not banning is we need to teach students how to manage the devices and the distractions they provide. So if you ban it at school... Does that mean you should then carry on and ban it at Unitech, at Tech and at University? Should you then ban it in the workplace? Somewhere along the way, the person has to learn how to manage the device and the distractions properly. So it's better off we start at the beginning and educate. Educate is always better than banning. Banning just forces it underground, finding ways around it, and you never deal with the real problem. Research published in the Harvard Business Review earlier this year suggests the distraction mobile phones cause is immense. The results showed that people taking part in an experiment who completed tasks while their phones were in another room performed the best, followed by those who left their phones in their pockets. 
people whose phones were on their desks performed the worst. Its research described the impairment to their cognitive capacity as being on par with the effects of lacking sleep. So is it wise to let teens manage distraction when it could mean missing out on crucial parts of their education? It's all things with teenagers. You, you don't just let them have free reign and hope that it's all going to work out. You put boundaries around them and you take the learning opportunities that come through. We're not going to let students fall over because they're on their device the whole time. If the schoolwork starts suffering, we'll be taking them aside, doing intensive work with them to look at what's going wrong. How do we change behaviours to get the learning happening? If it's, don't do it because I told you, it's not a particularly good reason for a teenager. What are some of the ways that you set boundaries or rules or, or moderate the use of mobile phones here at Pakuranga College? So for us, we don't have any blanket rules apart from it's about learning. We only allow the students one login to the school network. So in the morning, they log on, either to their learning device or their phone. If they log in with their phone, then they find they can't access a whole pile of resources they need to do the learning. And the students fairly quickly learn that they need to log into their main learning device, which means if they want to use their cell phone, they're going to be have to use their data plan or their texts up. And so it's going to cost them. And so it's a subtle pressure to push them back to where we want to go. Mr Williams says if the school banned them, the students would just find a way to get around the ban, seeing it as an exciting challenge even. And he thinks the best people to ask how to keep students' eyes off their notifications and on their schoolwork is the students themselves. To that end, Pakuranga College has a student-run Digital Leadership Council. Two of its Year 12 members, Sersha and Caitlin, say encouraging their fellow students to stay off their phones is an uphill battle. So I think the biggest is distractions where student, uh, students pull out their phones in class and they don't focus on the work and what's kind of been set to them. So they're taking advantage of the learning time that they have and they're doing something completely irrelevant with it. Like in regards to lunch times and stuff, people also kind of overuse their phones a lot. You know, there's life outside of like social media and all that kind of thing. And other people are at school, so there's not really anything to be checking up on. And what's it like trying to get your message through? It's like talking to a wall. No one. Um, in this day and age, mobile phones are the centre of everything. The internet is the centre of everything. And um, Getting that message through is very, very hard because we've grown up with it like this and changing that is... People don't like change. People don't like putting their phones down because it's what's familiar to them, it's what they know, and so it is very hard trying to reduce the use of them in school. I feel like banning it altogether at school was just too big of an issue and as she said people will just get upset people will try to find ways and scenarios to try sneak it in going to the bathrooms or kind of hiding with their friends to use it so even if we ban it I feel that it won't properly be kind of followed through with by the students. The Digital Leadership Council is not just focused on phones though it's working on a full program to get students to be better digital citizens. It's also teaching the teachers to keep them up to date with what students are doing on their phones and how the devices can be better used for learning. I'm Teresa Cowie and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme exploring whether New Zealand schools should ban mobile phones. At East Otago High School in the town of Palmerston, 50 kilometres north of Dunedin, 
teachers and students are looking at the mobile phone issue with fresh eyes after it recently changed its policy. This box sits usually on the teacher's desk and um, has no phone zone on it. <laughs> and it just, everyone's phone gets put on it, in it, even the teacher's phones. So, um, yeah, just so that no one's tempted to get it until the end of the period. The school banned mobile phones in class at the end of May and its deputy principal, Keith Fleury, says they've seen an instant change for the better in the relationship between students and teachers. The angst that staff were having dealing with the phones in the classroom and the discipline issues that it surrounded that, um, it took all that away. So a lot of students will come from their own personal point of view about how we deal with the phones and about the policy, but we've got to look at it globally and we've got to look at a whole class, not just one or two individuals. And as soon as we took that angst away between the, just the negativity between the classroom teacher and the student having to deal with phones, students refusing to hand them over, um, hiding them, playing games on them, texting, etc., all that was taken away. Students can still use mobiles during lunch and other break times. So what do they think of the classroom ban? We used to be able to have our phones in class and stuff to, to research stuff. Sometimes like a teacher would say, get out your phone and research this. And it's just a bit hard now because we've got to go get Chromebooks and we'd normally run out of time. It's just, yeah. Some of the boys, when they're meant to be working, are being louder because they're not listening to music or anything. I think it's good because then all the students aren't just having their faces and their phones during classes when they should be paying attention. Personally, I have found that I concentrate better because people aren't playing their music loud. You can't hear it through their headphones or people aren't being distracted by looking at their social media. But also being able to use your phone for Google Docs or for educational purposes sometimes is beneficial as well. Given that some students are now rushing to gorge on social media at lunchtime, the school now wants to see if it can take the digital detox a bit further. On the day Insight visited the rural school of 150 students, it's Fibre Free Friday. So basically what happens is all of the Wi-Fi gets turned off and there are activities set up. So there's basketball, which Lexi runs. There is Zumba... There's games and puzzles in the library. You could go do art. You could get a ball and play, like, Foursquare. Um, there's court touch. There's soccer on the field. Yeah, it's just basically trying to get everyone out and get active instead of inside and on their phones. The school believes if it's going to take away such a big part of the students' lives, it has to be replaced with something else. We are heading to our sports hall, where on Fridays we usually have some um, games and activities going for the kids to, to do. Tori Fleming is the school's sports coordinator. Basketball seems to be one of their favourites. They really love it. Um, touch is a nearly really good game that they like to play, however... Um, not on a day like this as it's raining. The other big thing East Otago plays a lot of is dodgeball. So usually it's just a place for them to come where they can just come and get a ball, get some sports gear out and have a bit of a play around um, instead of sort of just sitting in groups and being on their phones. Tori Fleming says the school's silent playground inspired her to set up Fibre Free Fridays. 
quite a few months ago, I did talk to the PE department about this and put it forward to the um, to the staff about having a fibre-free day in the schools. Um, and it all came from really working at the school and going out at lunchtimes and seeing the kids completely on their phones or on the gaming or everything like that. And I didn't hear that schoolyard laughter that I always used to um, really enjoy. So that's sort of where it came from. She says on Friday lunchtimes the atmosphere is now unrecognisable. It's changed huge. With the communication between the, the kids now, a lot of it revolves around a phone. They'll have a phone between a group of them and they'll be busy looking at the phone and discussing that rather than taking a ball or a sports equipment and going out and making their own gubs up in the field. So I have noticed a huge change. But not everyone's convinced of the lunchtime ban. These Year 13 students say it can get in the way of finishing off assessments. I'm a sports captain, so I got told I have to do it. Um, I personally don't like Fibre Fridays because we're at school to do schoolwork and um, to learn, which involves the internet, and they turn the internet off so we're not able to finish internals or anything. That's more important than playing games um, in classes. Like I find schoolwork a lot more important than um, playing basketball. <laughs> There's been times where we've had to finish internals and we've nearly been finished them, but then the internet's been turned off, so... We can't complete them until after lunchtime, which seems a bit silly. Another rural school, St Matthew's Collegiate, is also resisting a total phone ban. But come term four, the firewalls will be closing in on students. We are a special character Anglican school for girls. Um, We are decile nine. Our community is rural farming, vineyards and professional families. We're a boarding school and a day school. Currently the um, phones are used by the girls during their break time. There are certain apps that we will shut down. During Scott class time they are to have phones put away. In our 7 and 8 programme, um, the primary part of the school, the girls actually have to surrender their phones when they enter the classroom. Its principal, Kerry Gill, explains why the school decided against a ban. Because we have to adapt. The phones are a, they're a reality. There are uses for the phones. There are times when we need them to record things. There are times when we need to take photos. They're, the children own quite um, sophisticated technology. It seem, just makes sense to t- utilise that facility when it's appropriate. We also have a school app to remove the phone or also remove something that we've introduced to the school. That would make it, wouldn't make any sense. We do need for them to be self-managing, but they are children and there are things about, that they need to be introduced to gradually. And that's what we'd prefer. It's about to implement a new policy, fighting technology with technology. It already has some restricted access to the net. Next term, it will be using a new system to restrict what students can access inside the school gate, even if they're using their data on 3G and 4G. Any device not connected is not allowed at school. At the start of school day, let's call it 8 to 3, and so when it's and it's like Wi-Fi, when the children walk through the door, their devices are all linked, they immediately connect to our network. And, what, and that allows us to then, anything we've shut down on our network, we'll shut down on the phone. It's almost like a ban in that they, when they come in, they are in the school zone. It's not a ban. Um, a ban is um, because the reality of a ban is that once you've shut it down, you've shut it down. Mm-hmm. We have to be realistic that we're dealing with children who age from 10 to 18, mm-hmm. um, that there are times when they will need to um, access different things which would be shut down because it just makes sense according to whatever your project is. It's about removing distraction. 
Once the child's outside the gates, though, the settings switch over to whatever their parents have decided they can access. Kerry Gill thinks the change will be hardest for senior students who are more used to online freedom. We've kind of gone through about three different phases of um, Wi-Fi control um, and they've got considerably stricter as we've gotten older or as we've gone through. So I think it, it will be an adjustment, but I think it's been a gradual one as well. It's not, it's not been too sudden. It's not like we've had free access and then no access. So I think it, yeah. it will be an easy transition. It might take a bit of getting used to, but I think it will be a gradual Yeah, because at the moment all Wi-Fi is blocked anyway, so it's not mm. like we can do much on our phones anyway. Yeah, so it'll just be kind of getting used to um, just putting the phone away completely. Do you feel like you could just manage it yourself if they didn't put the boundaries in? Or, you know, do you feel like it's yeah. not really necessary? Well, I think, um, and a lot of girls in our year group kind of feel this way. We've yeah. kind of talked about it a lot. But um, it's like we're kind of the older, the oldest year group on campus. And so we kind of have learnt to deal with social media. And we've had a lot of talks about social media and what are the pros and cons of it and how to be mm-hmm. safe online and things like that. So I think for year 11s, it's um, something we probably could manage if we were taught the right way. Maybe it would be nice to focus on sort of how to use it correctly rather than not using it at all. Yeah, because um, all of our yeah. school years, we've been exposed to it, so we've sort of just been learnt thrown to... into it and learned how to deal with it ourselves. Yeah, with, mm-hmm. um, you know, if girls coming into the school next year or little year 7s and that, if they're not learning to deal with social media, if they're not exposed to it, then they can't really get a true understanding of how to deal with it. Principal Kerry Gill says one place the school has had to go for a ban is in the boarding house after lights out. The school was finding girls were staying on their phones into the night and arriving at class red-eyed. Well, the parents invest 24-hour care to us, and so that we, we become the family. The cyber world has minimised sleep. And so what we need to make sure is our young girls are sleeping. And, um, and that's really important. When they go um, into the boarding house of an evening, and it's usually before, before prep um, or after prep, they then have to surrender their phones before they go to bed at night. And then um, their, their mobile devices, uh, their laptop devices, they have to surrender at the end of their prep time. It's different for different age groups. And those are also put away into a secure space and they're charged so that the girls can get on with doing, um, having a cyber-free a cyber free night. Boarders can still use their phones in their free time. With his hat on as president of the Secondary Principals Association, Mike Williams says urging all New Zealand schools to ban mobile phones in the way France is would be wrong and impractical. Our Principals Association values the autonomy of all schools to do it the way that's right for them. So a school that bans cell phones, we would say, great, if that's what is right for your school, we think that's brilliant. If your school wants to be a far more liberal approach, we would say, great, that's what's right for your school. Um, The autonomy for different schools in different communities to do it the way that's right for them is what's important. So on that principle, we wouldn't support a ban because that's a one-size-fits-all. Our philosophy is around let the school and the community find the right solution for themselves. Could you class it as like active DNA?
That programme was written and presented by Teresa Cowie. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, health correspondent Karen Brown looks at whether the government's new deal with nurses over staffing is actually achievable. I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us and do join us again next week.